good to see you all this morning. And uh, it's great to see some new faces with us as well. We always love to have visitors with us. We trust that you feel at home with us and uh, you enjoy being with us as well. And uh, we've been spending the last little while talking about what on earth am I here for? It's a question we've been asking in a number of sermons. And if you have not been around and you'd like to know what that was about, you can go on our website, gatewaywinnipeg.com, and you can find the sermons. Actually, you can find the sermons both from Panet and the South there, and you can listen to what God has been saying to us over the last few weeks. And for those of you who have been coming out to the sermons, and you've been doing What on Earth Am I Here For?, um, there's about 200, over 200 of you now that have taken the gifts test, which is amazing. Thank you for doing that, and I hope it was helpful to you in helping to understand a little bit about how God has made you and what he has in terms of a purpose for your life. What on earth are you here for? And we want to encourage you, if you haven't been to the next step from that, that you go to the website again and go to the Ministry Opportunities page. How many of you have been to the Ministry Opportunities page on the website? Okay, a few of you. All right. I want to encourage all of you to go. Ken and uh, others who've helped him have done a tremendous job of setting it up. And when you go to that page, you can take the gifts tests and the results of the gifts test. And it helps you to find places that you can serve with your particular gift. If you came out as an administrator, there's a whole page of opportunities of where we need administrative help. And some people have already come to me asking to take some of those roles. If you're a teacher, there's some teaching opportunities for you as well. But if what you're looking for is not on the pages, if you're thinking, yes, I want to do something, but these don't uh, match what I want to do, please talk to us. Because one of the things that we want to do in this season is be hearing God and asking God what he wants us to be doing in terms of expansion, which could mean starting things that don't exist right now. And building programs that we didn't have before because that's what God is asking us to do. So I want to encourage you to go to those ministry opportunity pages. For these next couple of weeks, we're going to pick up the theme. And instead of looking at it on an individual basis, what on earth am I here for? We're going to talk about what on earth are we here for? What has God brought Gateway Church together for? Because just as God knew about you before the foundation of the earth, and he knew how he had made you, God, before the foundation of the earth, knew what was needed in Winnipeg, in Manitoba, what he wanted to do through this particular part of the body of Christ, and he has gathered us here from the nations of the earth. If we were to take a poll of how many different nations are in this room, I think it would be a huge encouragement to us. Every time we have a welcome lunch, we ask how many people are from different nations. And depending on the size of the crowd, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve different nations sometimes in the room. God has gathered us from the nations of the earth together at this time, 2017, beginning of April 2017, for a purpose. He has a reason why we're here. And every one of you has part of that reason this morning. You might be here as a guest. You're thinking, I don't know if I'm part of this church or want to be part of this church. That's fine. You just hear and listen and see what might be relevant for you. But for those of us whom God has joined together here, we have been brought together as a family for this time, for this purpose, to serve what God wants to do in our city and in our province and beyond into the nations of the world. And because it's God, 
It's going to be spectacular. Well, that was a few amens to that. Come on. Because it's God. I mean, have you seen what God does? It's pretty spectacular, isn't it? God doesn't do anything by hearts. He doesn't do anything in small measures. He does wonderful things. We're going to read out of the scripture we're going to read this morning. He does things just so that we may marvel. Well, if we're going to marvel at it, it's going to have to be pretty spectacular. And God has brought you to Gateway Church at such a time as this because he wants to do some spectacular things. And he wants to do it through you and through me. Isn't that great? So we want to look this morning at the family of God on mission. And I'm going to take us to John chapter 5. Because in John chapter 5, Jesus explains what his family mission statement is. Jesus saw himself as part of a family on mission, as we're going to discover as we read John chapter 5. And he helps us to understand what that family mission is, because we're part of the same family and we're part of the same mission. So would you turn with me to John chapter 5? If you have a Bible, I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version and I'm going to have it up on the PowerPoint behind me for those of you who don't have it in front of you. But let's read. I'm going to read it to you this morning and we can read it together. This is John chapter 5 beginning to read at verse 19 and going to verse 30. Let me give you a little bit of context before we start. Jesus has come into Jerusalem and he's come to a pool called Bethesda. The pool of Bethesda, there's waters in this pool. And the story is that every now and again, an angel steps down into the waters. And you can only tell because the waters start to move. And when the water starts to move, the story is that the first person who gets themselves down into that water will be healed. And so all the way around the outside of this pool are colonnades. And under the colonnades are sick people, many sick people. And they're trying to get down into the water first. There's one man there who's been there 38 years. That's a long time. That's a lifetime in those days. And he's underneath those colonnades waiting to get down into the water. But whenever the water rolls and he starts to move himself down towards the water, he cannot get there because the man is unable to walk by himself. Jesus comes into the area, and he comes into the pool of Bethesda, and he heals that man, just that man. Why he only heals that man, we're going to talk about in a little bit. But he heals that one man, and he tells him to take up his bed and walk. And the man does. He takes up his bed and walks. You'd have thought everybody would be thrilled. A man just got healed. From being sick for 38 years. It's a time for rejoicing. But unfortunately, not everybody thinks like that. And the religious leaders are very upset. They're very upset not just because he got healed, but because he picked up his bed and walked on the Sabbath. And that was against their understanding of the law. I could explain to you why it's a fulfillment of the law, but we don't have time for that this morning. But to their understanding of the law, they thought that this was breaking the law. And so they got very angry at Jesus. 
And because they got angry at him, they confronted him and he had to explain to them, or he explained to them, why he was doing what he was doing. And we're going to read his explanation right now. Because he's explaining to them, listen, I'm on a family mission. This is my family mission and I'm just doing the mission. And he explains what it is. And when we understand what Jesus' mission was and how he went about his mission, it helps us to understand what our part is to play in that mission as well. So let's read this together. John chapter 5, verses 19 to 30. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show so that you may marvel. There it is. God is into the greater works. If you want to pray for something spectacular in your life, pray for the greater works. Because God's into them. God loves doing them. Because God loves making people go, wow. Wow. So that you may marvel. I wasn't even going to preach that point, but there you are. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one. But has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear it will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. Those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Because I seek not my will, but the will of him who sent me. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to echo that statement. We don't seek our will. Lord, at Gateway Church, we don't seek our will. Lord, we're not interested in that. We want your will. We want the will of the one who has sent us. Lord, you have sent us to this place. Whether we grew up here or you sent us from the nations, you have sent us. And we want to catch a hold of the will and the reason for which you sent us here. Speak to us, Father. Our ears are open to hear you. And Lord, give us hearts to obey you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So what do these two verses, these many verses here, tell us about the family of God mission? 
I want to give us two main headings to think about this morning. And the first is this. What is the heart of the mission? And secondly, what is the heart for the mission? What sort of heart do we need in order to see the mission, this mission fulfilled? So first of all, what is the heart of the mission? Jesus answers this question right at the beginning. The heart of the mission, he says, is the heart of the Father. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. The heart of the family of God mission flows out of the heart of Father God. Everything that happens flows out of his heart. And he has a plan and a purpose for everything, including all of your lives and your children's lives, if Jesus stays, and your children's children. God has a plan for everything and a purpose for everything that he has created. And that purpose and that plan flows out of his heart. And Jesus says that because the Father loves Jesus as the Son, he has shown him everything that he is doing. All of it. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Imagine a farmer with his firstborn child. Maybe it's a boy, maybe it's a girl. And at some point when they get to a certain age, he takes them out or her out to the farm to the highest point and shows them all the land that he has and says to them, one day this will be yours. This will be your land. I'm going to work this land. I'm going to show you how I work it. I'm going to show you how to make the best use of this land so that you can learn with me and grow with me and work with me. And I'm going to give you this land. And he shows him everything that he has on his heart. That is what God the Father did to Jesus. He showed him the expanse of this universe. He showed him the stars and the planets. He showed him Everything that he has created, he showed him, you and me. He laid it all out before him and he said, son, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm about. I'm going to show you everything that I'm doing because I love you. And let's underline something here right out of the plate. Does God love you? Some of you don't seem so sure. Does God love you? What does that mean for you? Let me tell you what it means. He takes you to the highest point of his farm. You. He shows you the expanse of all that he's doing. You. Because he loves you, he shows you what he is doing. Now sometimes... The Christian life, in fact, probably all our Christian life, is about lining ourselves up with the truth of the word of God, even if it disagrees with our experience. Because this is truth. And when Jesus says the Father loves the Son and so he shows himself all that he's doing, we are in Christ. 
And God loves us. And he wants to show us everything that he's doing. Because he wants us to work with him in it. If we have a theology that somehow God hides out in some hidden place up there and maybe dribbles out the occasional bit of his purpose and you only get this little strand and you have to hang on to it because that's all you're going to get till the next bit of strand comes along, you are missing the point. God has laid out his heart for us in the scriptures. Page after page after page after page after page of the heart of God laid out for us. He's not trying to hide anything from us. He wants us to know what he's doing because he wants us to be a part of it. And because he loves us, he will show us what he's doing. That's why the hearing God is so important. Because if we want to serve Jesus, we have to know what the Father's doing. And if we are going to find out what the Father's doing, we have to learn how to hear him. And it's a lifelong journey. Right? Isn't that lovely? God loves you and he wants to show his heart. So next time you pray, let me encourage you to do something. Don't just pray out the list. God, that's fine. Pray out the, but stop. Say, Father, here it is today. What's the date today? 26th of March. Lord, here's 26th of March. Lord, what's, what's the Father doing today? What's my daddy up to? Because he's up to something. And he loves to share it with the children who will stop and listen and hear him. The heart of the mission is first of all the heart of the Father. But the heart of the Father, Jesus says, has some very particular purpose to it. And if you were to take these verses just as they are and say, what is the heart of the family mission out of these verses? You would have to say this. That the heart of the family mission of God is to raise people from the dead and give them life. Four times during this discourse, Jesus says, I'm going to raise people from the dead and give them life. He explains that as being the major point of his calling. Greater things you're going to see, and these are the greatest things. You're going to see people raised from the dead and brought into life. What does he mean by that? Well, he certainly meant physically raising people from the dead because that's what he did. He raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. He raised other people. The widow of Nain who was carrying a child out on a bier, dead, on the way to the funeral. Jesus stops the funeral. Why? Because it's the family business. That's why. And he speaks into that situation. And that child gets up and lives. Why? Because the heart of the mission of God is to bring people out of death and into life. Jesus finishes his discourse by talking about the ultimate raising of the dead. When he will raise everybody. Christian, non-Christian. He will raise them all. Some, he says, are going to be raised to life with him. Others, he said, are going to be raised to judgment. But Jesus is going to break the power of death for everybody. We will all live again because of what Jesus has done. Because it's the family business. But the main resurrection, the main raising to life that Jesus is talking about here is right in the middle of this passage. Let me read it to you. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. What's he talking about there? He's talking about spiritual resurrection. Back in the Garden of Eden, when sin took over the human race, it cut us off from a relationship with Father God from whom all life flows. We became spiritually dead. You might not feel dead this morning, but if you don't know Jesus, there is a part of you, the main part of you, which is dead. It is not alive. You are living, but you are not spiritually alive. And Jesus came to this earth to make you spiritually alive. To give you life. You can have that part of your life today awakened. It's like a new beginning. It's like a new birth. It's like being born again. Because that is what God is doing. Yes, Ken, it is being born again. A new creature. Do you hear what Jesus was saying? What the Father was saying in the worship this morning? My sons, my daughters, you are new creations. And as sons and daughters, he loves us. He shows us the family business. And our part of the family business is to raise the dead and bring them life. Now, I think that means physical. Every opportunity I get to pray with somebody who's dead, I pray. And one day, somebody's going to rise. Not because of me, but because it's the family business. One day we're all going to rise. But today might be the day that you rise. When you decide to accept Jesus Christ, what do I have to do? All who hears my word and believes him. That means to put all your trust in. Then you come from death into life. It's the family business. The heart of the mission is the heart of the Father. To raise the dead and give them life. And the third thing about the heart of the mission is that the heart of the Father, above even raising dead people and giving them life, you know God's got a purpose that's even greater than that? Do you know what his purpose is that's greater than that? Let me read you the scripture and see if you can get it. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. That all may honor the Son. Just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. God's, the Father's, overriding purpose in everything that he does, even beyond saving us, is to lift up, to exalt, to magnify, to lift up into a praise of the highest praises the name and the person of Jesus Christ. That is the heart of the mission. And we must never forget it, because that's what we're about. That's why we exist, to spread a passion for the glory of God in Christ Jesus to every nation and every generation. 
Because it's wonderful to see people raised from the dead. If that's all it is, that would be wonderful. But there is an even greater purpose, which is to see Jesus Christ magnified and raised up and exalted above all else. In some little place, maybe not so little, in the last few days, shocking as it might be for us, there's probably a group of people who are honoring the memory of a man who drove his vehicle through a whole bunch of people on the Westminster Bridge, killed a policeman on his way into getting into the Houses of Parliament, and they honor him because they think that he is doing God's work. It's shocking to us, isn't it? How people can think that way. We have someone who gave his life for us. He didn't come to kill anybody. He came to give us all life. And he was prepared to give his own life up. And in doing so, he shattered the power of darkness. He destroyed the power of sin and death. He loosed the grip of death on all of our lives because we will all rise again. Jesus Christ is worthy of the greatest honor. Jesus Christ is worthy of the highest praise. Jesus Christ is worthy to have his name sung with joy by every tongue and every tribe and every nation under heaven. And the overriding purpose of all that we ever do and all of our mission is to see Jesus Christ magnified above all things and honored above all things. That's the heart of the mission. Hmm. What's the heart for the mission? What sort of heart do we need to participate? Well, listen to Jesus' heart. The first thing he talks about is love. It's a wonderful thing, the love that the Father has for Jesus. If you want to get encouraged, spend some time meditating on how much the Father loves Jesus and how much Jesus loves the Son. Why? Because it's not just a love that happens up there. In the heavenlies somewhere, miles and miles away from where we are. It's a love that happens in here. That same love. That same deep-rooted affection. Eternal, never-ending, unconditional love. Is what exists in here. The love that dad has for his son. I get included in. And his love is alive in me. That's why he shows us himself what he is doing. Because he loves us that way. Love for God and love for others is what our mission is motivated out of. God loves us. He said, I I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came into the world that they may have life. Why? Because he loves us. And that love operating out through our lives is what this mission is all about. And it could be expressed in a whole lot of different ways. We have folks here, at least 12 volunteers every week, who come and give food out to 70 families or so every week here in the food bank. They do it week by week by week by week. Do you know how long they've been doing it? Do you know how long we've been doing it? Not all of them have been doing it that long. Do you know how long we've been doing it as Gateway? It'll be 25 years this summer. You count the number of families we've blessed. 
Are they all grateful for the blessing? Well, I don't know. Did they all need the blessing? Well, I don't know that either. But that's not our business, is it? To figure that out. Our business is simply to love people. In ways that are practical, that share the love of Jesus. Because that honors Jesus, doesn't it? People receive something like that for nothing, no strings attached, just to look after you because somebody needs to look after you. That's the church's business. Just loving people. What is the heart for the mission? Love. The love of God the Father to the Son that operates through us and out of us and includes us in this wonderful place of acceptance. Pure, incredible acceptance. That's the love of God. The second thing we learn about Jesus' heart for the mission in this passage can only be termed humility. Jesus' humility is mind-blowing and totally otherworldly. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees his father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Did you hear that? The son can do nothing of his own accord. This is Jesus. He threw the stars into place. His word created the heavens and the earth and sustains the heavens and earth. Surely Jesus can do something on his own. Well, he didn't want to. I can do nothing, he says. He only wanted to do what emanated out of the heart of his father. Wow. I don't have that humility, do you? I want to do something. I want to do something myself. I wanted to have my stamp on it sometimes so people can say, oh, that was good, Peter. I know it's horrible, isn't it? It stinks of pride and whatever, but it's true. But you couldn't say that about Jesus. Barney used to say everything that Jesus ever did, he never did. Because it was daddy working through him. What humility. Listen to how he ends it in verse 30. I can do nothing on my own. If we want to flow with the family of God, we need to flow in love. But folks, we need to flow in humility. And it's not easy humility, is it? That cut. I wanted to do it this way. Sorry, Pete. Got to change course. I wanted to get it right. Peter, it doesn't matter whether you get it right or not. Jesus is going to get it right. Just flow with him. Don't make it about you. As Didier said a few weeks ago, it's all about Jesus. Jesus' humility is revealed not in what he knows, but in what he does. And it flows out of the relationship with his father. Let's go back to the story. Pool of Bethesda. He's coming through the pool of Bethesda. If you're me, that's a crusade about to happen. Right? All these people who are sick around a pool trying to get into water when the water ruffles. They need to hear about Jesus. We want to pray for them, see if people would raise them up out of their sickness, and then we're going to preach the gospel to them. Jesus goes into the pool. He talks to one person who he raises up off his mat, and then he leaves before he shared the gospel with him. How do I know that? 
Well, because the man didn't even know his name. And if he didn't know his name, how is he going to be saved? Because you only get saved by calling on the name of Jesus. That's the only way it happens. And he didn't even have his name. If I did that, I'd be thinking, I missed it. I missed the boat here. Because surely the father wanted to do this. But no, the father didn't want to do that. The father had something else in mind. Well, Lord, what did you have in mind? You could have healed all those people. You know what Jesus had in mind? Do you know what the father had in mind? He wasn't after just healing a few people by the pool of Bethesda. He was after healing everybody. And do you know what had to happen if everybody is going to receive the healing of Jesus Christ? Somebody's going to have to crucify him. And why are they going to crucify him? Because he insists on getting people to pick up their bed and walk on the Sabbath. Do you know how easily this could have been avoided? The man's healed. Great. I want to go home. Yeah, go home. Just leave your bed here. Come back. Pick up your bed. Take it tomorrow. Then you won't have broken the Sabbath. Nobody's mad. Everybody's happy. That wasn't what the father told him to do. Tell him to pick up his bed. Do you not think that Jesus knew what would happen when he told the man to pick up his bed? He not only knew, he walked right into the bear trap. Because if you look at the story, the man went away. All the religious leaders gather around him. They're all upset. What are you doing carrying your bed in the Sabbath? He goes, ah, the man who healed me, he told me to pick up my bed and walk. So now the religious leaders are, who told you to pick up the bed? Well, I don't know his name. Great, Jesus got away scot-free. But Jesus, God the Father, wasn't about Jesus getting away scot-free. The man's in the temple courts. The Father says, go to the man in the temple courts. Reveal yourself to him. That's exactly what Jesus did. Right in the middle of where all the anger was. He walked into the temple courts. He says to the man and speaks to the man. And the man realizes that he's speaking to Jesus. What does the man do? Oh, Jesus, thank you so much. You know what? I'm not going to tell the religious leaders because they're really mad with you right now. I'm just going to go home quietly by myself. We'll just forget this ever happened. Is that what the man did? No. Do you know what the man did? He threw Jesus under the bus. He went off to the religious leaders and he said, it was Jesus who said it. Preserving his own life, Jesus has just healed him. He might have been the least worthy person to be healed at the pool of Bethesda. Because a whole lot of other people probably wouldn't have done that. But God the Father wasn't interested in a whole lot of other people. Not that point round the pool of Bethesda. He was interested in a whole lot of every other person. People got angry. They set about trying to find a way of crucifying Jesus. They hung him on a cross. And now, anybody who wants to make it into the healing waters can come. You don't have to wait for the water to ripple. It's already rippling. You don't have to wait for someone to pick you up and carry you in. 
Jesus will do it himself. He comes to you. You see what humility does. It leads you actually into a bigger picture. Do you get that? My pride, my independence might have had a small little gospel meeting and a few people saved. Jesus had something bigger on his heart. God the Father had something bigger on his heart. And the only way that Jesus was going to get into the bigger of God was by humbling himself to do just what the Father told him. No more, no less. I find that really difficult. I mean, I always want to add something onto what God tells me to do. And the brothers and sisters who work closest with me will testify to that fact. Oh, Lord God, give us grace to hear you. Just to do what you are asking us to do. No more, no less. Lord, even if we don't understand it. Father, we don't understand why you're moving us to a field in West St. Paul. Look at all the people around here. Lord, this is the pool of Bethesda to us. What are you doing moving us over there? But Lord, it seems to be what you're doing. It seems to be what the Father is saying. You must have a bigger picture in mind. You must have something way bigger in mind. Holy Spirit, would you grant us the humility that Jesus has? I want it, Lord. I want that humility and I want the level of love, Lord, that Lord has a grace to spread everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ wherever I go. You have a mission for us, Father. You want to show us. You don't want to keep it hidden from us because you love us. Open our eyes to see it. Open our ears to hear it. And Lord, would you give us grace to fashion our lives in humility into all that you ask us to do. In Jesus' name we pray and for his wonderful glory amongst all nations. In Jesus' name, amen.